God is so amazing. God is so amazing. You guys can grab a seat. Um, <laughs> a lot of times we, we tend to kind of lean when God moves in their lives as like this very sombering, you know, poor old me type of an approach. You know, like there's got to be prayer, there has to be tears, and that's how God moves. And you know what? God is a guy of a God of joy, a God of happiness, a God of thanksgiving, a God of gladness. He fills our lives, our hearts with his joy. That is our strength. And we have to walk from strength to strength, from joy to joy. We have so much to celebrate. We have so much to give thanks for. We have so much to look forward to. Because our God is an ever-present for anything and everything that we need. And He is that amazing. <laughs> Welcome to Odyssey Church. I'm Sergio, one of the pastors here, and just delighted that you're here and delighted that God just does not disappoint and uh, we're just gonna we're gonna pray we're just gonna continue to invite him in and sometimes people don't understand what it means like that you're inviting him over and over I thought he was here yeah but we're just inviting him to go deeper within our lives so whatever and however God has touched you this morning just invite him to go deeper father I thank you for your presence father I thank you for showing up this morning on this day in this place father I thank you for making yourself known to us in our hearts and as a community God and I thank you for that and I ask that you reveal more of what you have for us reveal more of yourself reveal more of your joy more of your plan and purpose father we just are stepping into knowing more and more of who you are and who you want us to be God I thank you for each person that is here physically or those who are watching online father we just invite you to continue to become manifested in our lives I thank you I thank you, Father. A lot of times we want like the Word of God, some sort of three points, so it makes sense in our minds, not realizing that God's touch can be sufficient for what we're needing. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, uh, we can call it quits and go home into our private closet and just continue. God is so good. You're so good, God. Thank you. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for breaking through. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for being here. If you're a Bibles, we're going to read a few passages. And um, man, God's doing a bunch of stuff bunch of stuff within our lives and um, even even with the shift of the church and the direction that we feel like God is 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 already shifted and we're gonna be unfolding all that as I talk to the leaders and stuff I haven't even told them a bunch of stuff yet so <clears throat> leaders just be prepared <laughs> for uh, for just stuff um, but I'm super super excited because God 
will come into your life as much as you allow him to. He doesn't have a cap or a limit. And, um, and we, just, we just want everything that God has for us as a community, as individuals, as a family. We want everything that God has for you as your business, as you raise your families, as you influence people. Because that's God's heart. That's the Father's heart. He loves to lavish his gifts and who he is on his children. That's just the kind of God that we serve. And I'm just like blown away by that. Like that, such a simple, like a simple fact or, or a simple thing that, that or, you know, God offers it to us. Man, it is just, it, it's, it's, it's powerful. And talking about this kingdom stuff just enhances all that. Just to me, I don't know about you guys, but to me, this whole just researching kingdom and just seeing everything through this kingdom perspective, through this kingdom lens, everything just comes alive in a fresh, new, deeper, dynamic way. And I'm just like, and we're just in, in our, we're just in. We just started this year, just a couple months ago, you know, and I just cannot wait to see how God continues to unfold stuff. And with our Imagine Challenge, like next week, we'll be celebrating six months from the time that we made our pledges for the Imagine Challenge. So if you were here for that, if you made some pledges, if you began to give, we're going to talk about some of that and, and celebrate and, and give everyone updates on the six-month mark for that. And I'm telling you, like, God, for us specifically, um, for Maria and I, he's just been really rocking our worlds over the last few weeks. Um, and it's just like not ceasing. It's like over and over and over again. And it's not just for us as a family, but it's something that God wants to do in us, through us, for our church not just for our church, but in our church, and also through our church. And, um, and I'm just I, just, I just cannot, cannot wait. I cannot wait. If you have your Bibles, we're continuing our series, Parables of the Kingdoms, or Parables of the Kingdom. And uh, if you've never been here before, um, we've, we've started talking about this concept of the kingdom. And we recognize that you cannot really just define kingdom and say this is what a kingdom is because kingdom looks different with each person to some extent, even though there are some characteristics of the kingdom. Um, but kingdom is the place where a person allows God to be king because when you and I submit ourselves to God, he, we submit our bodies and our lives to him. We give him permission to dominate our lives. And whenever he's dominating our lives as king, we become his dominion and the kingdom, oh, the kingdom appears. And so we've been talking about all the things that Jesus has been talking about with the kingdom and trying to describe the kingdom more than just define the kingdom. And so with the parables, it's been really amazing because people are asking him about the kingdom. People are asking him about eternal life. And they're in essence asking him, hey, how you live your life is intriguing to me. What do I do to get what you do? And we actually see that with the disciples um, after the church was launched or even as the church was launching, people were attracted to what the disciples were doing. And simply the disciples were just living out the kingdom. That's what they were doing. They were living out the kingdom. And I love that Jesus does not just say, hey, just do this one thing or do, do this one thing because then it will be easy for us to do it. And when we do it, then it's kind of like, well, okay, I got it. And this kingdom is like so dynamic. And, and, and because God is king, he is uh, eternal. 
And, and the Bible says this kingdom is so profound that you will see it appear here and there. It's going to be here. You'll be able to experience it. But it's, not all, it's also not the fullness of it. Because when Jesus comes back and everyone will recognize and see that he is the true king. And the Bible says that, that, that this kingdom, his kingdom will never, ever end. And so this is like the, we get the best of both worlds. We get the promise for the future and we can actually walk in it today. Oh, he's so good. He's just not withholding anything from his children. Imagine that. He's not withholding anything from his children. That includes you if you're his. And if you're not his, you have an opportunity to become his. And you only have to run around 30 times around the circle here. Seven times a week. No, just joking. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, all right. You know, if I can <laughs> say that I did it, then I'm in. Um, but it's beautiful because it's something that God does within us. Oh, okay. Um, Luke chapter 10. Verse 25, if you have your Bibles, please uh, uh, grab them. If you don't, we have, we'll, have a, uh, we'll have it on the screen. Then an expert in the law. Say an expert in the law. And then say, I think I'm an expert in the law. At least I act like it sometimes. Actually, that's not funny because you'll, you'll see yourself here in a second. Teacher, what must I do to inherit the, the, the eternal life? Verse 26, what is, what is written in the law, he asked him, and how do you read it? And I like that because it's not just what does it say, but it's more like how, catch this, how are you applying what it says? You know what it says, but how are you applying it? How are you reading it? And he says, he answered, verse 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And he added, which is kind of interesting because if you remember a, few, a couple parables ago, this was a, there was a similar conversation. But he also includes this one to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because we know that the law is divided into two sections. You have uh, God relationships and people relationships. And so this guy was like, hey, I'm going to make sure I'm going to, I'm going to, bring it all together not like the other guy who really messed up and uh he you know they reached the young ruler verse 28 he says you've answered correctly do this and you will live 29 but wanting to justify himself that's where we raise our hand and say yes lord this is me i'm wanting to justify myself he asks who is my neighbor which leads to a parable jesus verse 30 took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and fled, leaving him half dead. Amen. Verse 31. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii 
or two uh, denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spent. 36, which of these three do you think provide proof to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Verse 37 is like the kicker here. He said, the one who showed mercy to him. Then Jesus told him, go and keep reading the scriptures. Go and tell everyone that you understand the parable. Go and continue to worship in the temple. Go and just continue to pray and search out scripture and hang out and build your business. Go and fill in the blanks with whatever you and I are doing. This last phrase with Jesus, he takes it from theology, from knowledge, from interpretation, from thinking and chatting and praying about it, straight into action. Jesus told him, go and do the same. I think a lot of churches are not full of people because we don't go and do the same. I think we have put too much responsibility off of ourselves and onto an organization. We have put too much responsibility on the preacher pastor, on the band. We even put too much responsibility on our knowledge and on prayer. And it's so bad that we truly don't know who our neighbors are. When we think of neighbors, we think of people that we know. Raise your hand. Like people in our Facebook friends, well, most of them you don't know. But nonetheless, my, my crew, my, 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 my people, you know, I may not know them really well, but I kind of like, hey, buddy, what's up? I know them. And so we're kind of remain wanting the kingdom but not experiencing the kingdom because we're not obedient to the responsibility that is placed on those of us who said yes to Jesus and most times I'm talking about people outside of this church because we got it okay we don't got it <laughs> but if you think you got it all right but I'm thinking I'm talking about even our church if Jesus, if Jesus is so good, if Jesus is so evident in our lives, space would be unable to contain the draw. But one of the problems is that we've taken are the responsibilities that we have been given and put it on someone else. 
And that's something in our culture that we have to shift because we basically say, all right, I got a pastor who loves people. He'll visit people. He'll call them. She'll text them. They'll love on them. I have a, you know, we have an evangelist. He will witness to people. He will go after the city. He will go after the lost. And I'm just going to come and pay for their ministry by tithing and enjoy the songs and, and eat of the fruit. And I don't know if that's you or not, but that is the majority of Christians in America, unfortunately. We are so consumed with our own lives that we have not taken the responsibility for what it really means to follow Jesus, to walk in his kingdom. And on one side, we want the kingdom. On the other side, we are not taking the responsibility of what it takes to really see the kingdom become reality. Because the kingdom, it's here and not here. You get it glimpse. You get it bite by bite. It's like in your relationship. You don't fully know a person from the get-go, but you begin to get them to, to you begin to get to know them. And these this this one aspect of of our church and of our city is really grip our church and me and Maria to such an extent that that God has literally just flipped our strategic plan upside down. And I'm not going to talk about what that is today. I'm going to talk about it in a couple of weeks or so, sometimes between now and, and Easter. Because when you look at this, in essence, none of these three personalities knew the Samaritan. Or, or not the Samaritan, but none of them knew this, this uh, person who was beaten and who was robbed and who was stripped who was half dead. It was just another human being. Think about it. The Levi, the Samaritan, who was past him? The priest. In essence, none of these people knew this other guy. And so when Jesus says, that is your neighbor. We have to check ourselves and say, God, I know theologically I'm the Samaritan. But am I practically the priest or the Levite? A neighbor is a neighbor. And we all in America live in neighborhoods to some extent. And we pass people on a daily basis to some extent who the prince of the air, Satan, and the devils have beaten them up, have stripped them, have robbed them, have broken them, have disoriented them. We have people Everywhere you look, who are longing for peace, who are longing for joy, who are longing for love, who are longing to, be, to belong to something, who are longing for something more than what they currently experience. 
And I'm not talking about someone who, who may be down on their luck and they need some financial help. And so we, we kind of feel sorry for them. There is an external world and there is an internal world. And humanity is affected in both elements. There are people who have it all together and then they commit suicide. There are people who have amazing families and they walk away from them. There's people who make a ton of money and then they go do something that's criminal and everything is taken away from them. It's, it's just not enough. They thought they were chasing something that their heart was longing for. And whenever they arrived to that place, they realized that they have been robbed, stripped, and beaten. And Jesus is not just saying, hey, find a person in the worst condition. He's saying, your path to your destination is full of people who are beaten up, broken, confused, in the dark, blind, even possessed, depressed, hopeless the saddest stories that I hear from people who got saved because they get saved and they rejoice God changes their life then whenever they share their testimony they said they say and I hear this way more times than I would like to they say for 20 years no one told me that Jesus loves me For 20 years, no one invited me to a healthy community. For 10 years, I've been looking and no one pointed the way. For this long, I've been passing all these Christians and no one had enough compassion to see me as their neighbor. Because we are too busy redefining neighbor to fit our press, uh, uh, to fit our lifestyle and our preference. And if you think I'm talking about you, I am. And if you think that I'm not talking about me, I'm not. This is convicting to me. This is so convicting to me that our lifestyle is about to change. Yeah. The Bible says that heavens and the angels, they rejoice over a single person.
persecution. We think of persecution as violence and even neglect and something that happens maybe socially, right? Oh, someone didn't like my post, I'm being persecuted. Someone unfriended me, I'm being persecuted because, you know, the wax Asheville has blocked me. <laughs> the kids don't let me sleep, I'm being persecuted. Um, <laughs> but we never really think of, well, we, we always, what's, what's interesting, and, and I think this is how deep the lie goes, but we always are on the other end of persecution, right? We're always like, we are being persecuted or not being persecuted. But have you ever thought of the fact that what if you and I persecute people? See, persecution, a, one form of definition of persecution is withholding. So if the government is persecuting its people, it may be withholding jobs from them. Or the country that I grew up in, um, it was a communistic country. Horrible outcomes. But there would be lines of people just to get bread. And in other countries, like Haiti or even Africa, there's a lot of help that is sent to these third world countries that the government receives and hoards for themselves and withholds it from its people. So if you think of it, the persecution is not just some violent act, but persecution is withholding. To each and every person that we are not sharing Jesus Christ with, we are withholding the kingdom from them. So in essence, we are persecuting them without realizing they're persecuting them. A lot of us get bored with Christianity because we're not active in what that means. We want to feel good. Those are great. We want to come together whenever there's a lot of people or the music is good. But even that, most people go to church once every, you know, five weeks, six weeks. And they feel, and we have people who even will come to church twice or three times a year and still consider Odyssey home. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you go to your house four times a year, I don't really think that's really home. It may be your house, but it's definitely not home. People are broken. They're dying. And one of the things that plagues our Christian culture is that, is that we actually become like two-year-olds where we get a new toy and we're excited for a season. And then it's like, ah, I want the next thing. And so Jesus is like, I am the way and the life. You will have abundant life. And we're like, yes, amen, Jesus. You know, and, and we, we do their thing. And then after a while, we're like, okay, what's next? I want to give you the kingdom. Yes, amen. Okay, I got it. What's next? Imagine if you told your wife, hey, we're married. Okay, great. What's next? <laughs> and that is really true. 
I think that's, 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 that's a right verbiage for what's really happened. We have really been divorced from our true and first love. Because here's the saddest part. We don't even have compassion. Because compassion would trigger us to lay it all on the line and go after that one person. Compassion would compel us to get rid of all of the stuff that we're holding in our houses and begin to give everything away to those who are in need. Compassion would compel us to be uncomfortable for the sake of that one person. This is why he says you had these religious people, a priest who was supposedly really close to God, a Levite, which is a guy with a guitar and skinny jeans who hits really great notes that give you chills and goosebumps. And both of them were convinced that neglecting this person on the path was kingdom and biblical and scriptural. And this also touches on this crazy issue of like racism because it actually illustrates that these Levites and the priest, they could not touch a Samaritan person. With their customs, so they, they were kind of like, oh, that's not one of ours. Or we would say, yeah, I don't know them. And I, I'm, I'm guilty with this. I'm, I, I binge watch, um, like, things on YouTube. So uh, my, my, my latest um, depravity, sinful depravity, is um, watching a, um, what is it called, a compilation of dashboard cam crashes. Yeah, I, I'm, and it makes me feel so good because none of those are me. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I mean, and there's also, you know, there's some of them that are pretty bad. You're like, oh, I hope everything's all right. I mean, there, there's, it's not, it's not a laughing matter, so don't laugh. Um, but, it, okay, whatever. But it is, it is, it is fun because you're watching it, and for me, like, I can't, you know, after it happens, you know, I kind of like, okay, I kind of have some compassion, but because it's not me, because it's not nobody that I know. I'm kind of okay with it. That is so bad. I mean, your pastor's okay with people crashing? I mean, don't, don't tweet that. <laughs> then I'll feel like I'm being persecuted. <laughs> but this guy had compassion. This is what distinguished a person who was walking in the kingdom and a person who's just being religious. And performing duties and maybe in our in our culture maybe we've we've we, we may have compassion for those who are close to us but those who are not close to us maybe we've kind of let that compassion die out and so we don't feel like what we have to offer them is that important maybe we fail to understand that what we have is not did not originate with us we have been given something to carry and to spread, and we are not. And 
maybe some people won't come back to this church because this may be too much for you. Maybe you're like, yeah, I'd rather not like to talk to people on, or I'm not an evangelist or whatever your reasoning is. It's fine. It's fine. But for this house, things are changing dramatically here. Things are changing dramatically here. And I cannot be more excited. Um, I want to read one more passage and I'll be done. But um, this is found in, uh, and if you don't know where this book of the Bible is, you're probably not saved. Um, <laughs> Zechariah. We'll, we'll have an altar call at the end. For <laughs> No, I'm just joking. Uh, but there's this pretty amazing passage um, in Zechariah, chapter 8, verse 18 through 23. And all what I've just talked about, this is how we access the kingdom. This is one of the ways that we access the kingdom. If we neglect our neighbor, why would God continue to reveal himself to us? Why would God give us more if we're not releasing what we have already been given? Zechariah, chapter 8. I think it's going to be okay. Then the word of the Lord, um, the Lord of the armies came to me. The Lord of the, of the armies says this. The fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth. Fast, fast, fast. One of the things I just want a little note. Our church, we're fasting three times a month, every single month. I would highly encourage you to join us. It's the first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of every month from here on to the end of the year. And then we'll see what happens later. So if you've not fasted with us, Come on a fast with us. See if God doesn't show up in your life. And some of you can fast food, drinks, sugars, social media, whatever it is, and, 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 and begin to do this. But because a lot of times we, we look at fasting as like this, oh, this grunching thing. But, but look what this says. The fast of the 10th month will become times of joy. Times of joy, not times of sorrow and Oh, I'm fasting, please, Lord. No, it says times of joy, gladness, cheerful festivities or festivals for the house of Judah. Therefore, love truth and peace. And the Lord of the army says this, peoples will yet come and residents of many cities, the residents of one city will go to another saying, Let's go at once to plead for the Lord's favor and to seek the Lord of the armies. I am also going. Many peoples and strong nations will come to seek the Lord of the armies in Jerusalem and to plead for the Lord's favor. The Lord of the armies says this, in those days... Ten men from nations of every language will grab the robe of a Jewish man tightly urging, let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you. The name of, my, of uh, the message today is Rumor Has It. 
Rumor has it. Now, I just want to replace a few things because I just want to kind of maybe cast some vision to our, in, into our lives. I believe that when we begin to walk in the fullness of what God has for us, people will be attracted to us. So whenever we read here earlier, and the word of the Lord of the armies, the Lord of the armies, the Lord of the armies, they heard rumors of the Lord of the armies doing something amazing. Somebody heard it in this nation, in this nation, in this city, in this city, and they all heard the rumor that the Lord of the armies is the place to go to, the place to be, the place to receive. And they also said, you know, um, it says many peoples and strong nations will come and seek the Lord of the armies and plead for the Lord's favor. And then it also says that, um, that the nations of every tongue will grab the robe of a Jewish, of a Jewish man. Why? Urging, let us go with you. Let us go with you because we have heard. We have heard. We have heard. We heard a rumor. We heard it being echoed that the Lord of the armies is with you. We want to be with you because we want to be where the Lord of the armies is. And so if we change the language and say, the Lord of Asheville. Have you heard what the Lord of Asheville is doing in Asheville? Have you heard the Lord of John, what John is doing in Asheville? Did you hear the rumor when God shows up and things happen? Did you hear the rumor of the ways that God is moving in the city of Asheville? I just want to go over there so I can meet this Lord of Asheville. I want to be with people that that is their Lord. God is doing something. God is moving something. Uh, moving things, moving mountains. He's moving in ways that are far beyond humans' abilities. Doing the impossible in situations where there was like completely brick wall situations. And God of the armies is breaking through. And people are hearing. They're hearing. What's going on? What's going on there? What's going on in that household? What's going on in that school? What's going on in that city? What's going on in that church? Something's going on and I don't care who it is, but I want in. Rumor has it, God has shown up. Rumor has it, God is healing the sick. What it's saying is that we want to go to the place where God is active. We want to see proof that God is truly good. So this rumor has it. Let this be something that never leaves your mind. To become a people that people are hearing rumors about. Hmm. God wants to do that. God wants to do that in me. God wants to do that in you. God wants to do that in our city, in our church, and not just this church, but in our churches. Because God wants to reach our city. And God's not going to send Jesus. He's already done that. God's not, a, not, is not going to send His Holy Spirit because He has already done that. God is sending you and me. 
you and me. Your family and my family. That's where I want to be. I want to be a place where I'm like, yes, God is doing something. And I will sell all that I have. I will lay down all my positions. I will lay down my legacy. I will lay down all my things so that I can be a part of the move of God. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're moving around our world. And I thank you that you've begun to move within our city. Thank you that you've begun to move within our lives individually. I thank you that you've begun to move within our church. God, we are believing for greater things than we've ever seen before, God, because we are believing that our city will fall on its knees in worshiping the good God that we serve. We're not going to just pray and fast about it, Father. We're going to go out. We're going to step out. We're going to begin to live out the kingdom that is in us. I thank you, God, for this opportunity. I'm so excited about the future. Let us always pursue you because you will never disappoint. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to take real quickly, if you don't know who Jesus is, maybe you've been coming to this church, maybe you're watching, maybe you've been religious, or maybe you just need to kind of recommit, rededicate, and be like, you know what, this is it. Rumor has it. I'm going to be the rumor that people are talking about because I'm going to do whatever, I take, whatever it takes for God to show up in my life. Not just on Sunday, not just during the music, but, but I'm going to begin to live this thing out to pursue God to such a way that He's going to begin to show up in my life. So if that's you, or if you don't know who Jesus is at all, maybe you've heard about Him, but you want to surrender your life to Him, just raise your hand right here. Or if you're watching, just raise your hand wherever you are. God sees your hand. God sees your heart. And with every, um, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want everyone to pray this simple prayer. And what this prayer does, it doesn't save you, but it basically just establishes that God has done something. And this is your step in the direction of having God to really be not just your king and savior, but also to lead you in all areas of your life. So just pray this simple prayer with me. If you're here or if you're watching, say, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus. He lived, he died, and he defeated death. I want to serve him, I want to love him, and I'm giving my life, all of my life, so I can be with you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. Everybody on your feet, I'm yours. I'm yours, God. I am yours. I am yours. In Jesus' name.